Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is our good friend Richard Turin, author of Cashless and Innovation Lab Excellence. Welcome back, Richard. I think this is your second, third time, right, on the show. You're breaking a record. This is my second time. Hi, Taya. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you both. And I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. It's always nice to have you. And yes, I have my partner in crime and my wingman Arun back with me. Um, so I want to start off our discussion with this. Recently, Charlie Schwartz, CEO of Wells Fargo, made a statement in the Wall Street Journal Future of Everything conference. And he said the following, it was very intriguing. He said, blockchain is real and it will be a powerful tool for people to replace existing platform. But when he was asked about crypto, and he had this to say, crypto can be worth something as long as someone believe it is worth something. That reminds me of Pokemon cards for some reason. I wanna ask both of you, what are your thoughts on that? Sure, I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it, although it's a loaded and dangerous question. So who can disagree with his comments on blockchain? Blockchain is technology, it's real, we know how to put it together, we, we fit it someplace and it works and it does nice things for us. Now, crypto. Sadly, crypto is such a large area that we have to break it down. So when we look at fully collateralized stable coins, technically that's crypto, and I'm a big supporter. I think we're all going to have them in our digital wallet someday soon. Um, it also includes things like algorithmic stable coins and that brings us obviously to Terra and I think we're not going to have those in our wallet anytime soon and then it leaves us with the 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 mainstream coins like Bitcoin and Ether and then the altcoins which are so, so we've got all these groups so when you say crypto it's like saying car I hate cars well do you hate Mercedes-Benz do you hate Volkswagen bugs they're too cute to, to hate you know so which one is it so the million dollar question is Bitcoin it's based on faith. We acknowledge that. I acknowledge that. And as long as people are believing in it, it's fine. And if they have the volatility and they, and they live with it and understand it, I think that's just fine. I'm happy for you if that's what you, if that's what you want to do. Not a problem. I will make a caveat to tell, and this is always relevant whenever I have tail online, to tell disadvantaged people that they need to use Bitcoin for inclusion when it's bouncing up and down 20 and 30 percent is a fantasy and, and cruel. Okay, so you tell me Bitcoin, you love it? Absolutely down with that. You tell me Bitcoin is the future of financial inclusion in Africa and other, and other places? Uh, I I have great difficulty. So faith, I'm just fine with that. Not a problem. Arun, over to you.
Sure. So recently, I was I was having a discussion with uh, with a hedge fund manager practically over the weekend, and he was uh, he was basically talking about cryptos and NFTs all being a Ponzi scheme, and it's all going to come down and mean nothing for anybody uh, at some point in the future. The, the challenge I have with the whole narrative around uh, crypto doesn't mean anything or or doesn't have value. I I don't I don't I don't buy that personally. Uh, it's it's it went up to a three trillion dollar market. It's of course got serious volatility. It's now close to a trillion dollar. Uh, it's a trillion dollar market now, which is by no stretch of imagination small. Of course, ninety five percent of uh, the the coins that you see there are junk without a doubt. But there is there is innovation happening, and we are running you know, experiments, huge experiments in this space at large scale, funded by seriously big monies. And what we are really inventing is the next version of capital markets, the next version of social media, possibly the next version of the internet. Um, and it's going to take decades for this thing to really pan out and start showing some credible business models that can scale. So we've got to be, uh, I mean, if, if there is one model that's probably, if I can say, um, seen through uh, multiple winters as Bitcoin, right? It's, it's, it's probably going to be there. Uh, it's, it's better than most other cryptos that you see. I would also probably position ETH within that same bucket. Um, and, and it's probably going to get even better with, with the proof of stake uh, mechanism that's going to launch later this year because then it's probably going to be more ESG friendly and you're going to see more institutional capital flowing into ETH better than or more than even Bitcoin. But beyond that, L1s, L2s, which ones are going to uh, see the next cycle? It's anyone's guess, right? Uh, three months back, I would have definitely put Luna under that bucket. But you don't know when, uh, after what happened like a month ago, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm a big fan of Solana. The community is amazing, but you never know. It only takes a couple of really bad days to bring these things down. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't say these, there is there is no credible market behind it. I mean, I, I I'm I'm part of the I'm I'm a participant in this ecosystem, uh, and so I know the amount of money that's flowing in, the amount of traction transactions happening there, the amount of people who actually live their lives around these ecosystems. So I wouldn't say they are Ponzi schemes built to be Ponzi schemes, particularly the large, uh, more credible um, uh, chains, uh, but a huge chunk of crypto uh, still lacks credibility. Uh, that, that much I can say. But conceptually, these, these concepts, be it uh, just stable coins, uh, L1s, L2s, uh, of course, Bitcoin as a store of value, NFTs, the concepts really have legs. It's about precisely how how is it going to take off? What is the what are the right models? Uh, how fast can we scale these? What is the sustainable way of growing this this ecosystem? And that is what is going to be the next. Probably we'll we'll probably figure more more of these out in the, by the next cycle. Richard. Yeah. So Arun, I, I it's, you know I, I loved everything you said, and I have to jump in here because I have one. Fundamental, you, you used fundamental problem. You used two words there that were really key. And one is Ponzi, as in Ponzi scheme. And the other is experiment. And in the aftermath of the Terra collapse, what I'm very, very concerned for the community 
And it is because to me, and I was vocal about this, I even reposted my tweets going back to January, where I said, be afraid of Terra. You know, it's 20% interest. There's something wrong here. This is not legit. Now, my complaint is this, is that there are real Ponzi schemes in the crypto world, and they are all being passed off as this is an experiment. You know, if you crashed a $40 billion company, you know, in the normal traditional finance or TradFi world, there'll be explosions, smoke. And there are so many in the crypto world who are like, oh, well, it was just as an experiment. What do you want? No, it was a, it was a Ponzi scheme. It was poor. It was designed to steal your money. And calling what are really half-baked ideas experiments really is a distortion of the word. Remember, experiment in science means you have a controlled environment and you repeat the experiment over and over and have the same result basically you don't design a brand new drug and do it do human trials immediately to see whether the people die or not and that's what's happening right now in the crypto world which is really tell you wanted to know what's bugging me well that's one thing that's really bugging me these are not experiments and calling them experiments and calling the great human tragedy of loss that, that comes in their aftermath. Oh, shrug my shoulder. It was an experiment. That's nothing. I think that shows a degree of callousness among the crypto community that is wrong. I don't disagree, Richard. And, and uh, meanwhile, A16Z just launched a new $4.5 billion fund to bet on crypto. So there is that. Um, I agree. It's, it should not be an experiment, sound experiment. There are real people at stake. And as I always say, those who can ill afford to lose are the ones that's going to be hurt the most, unfortunately. Um, I do think, Arun, to an extent that there is change, change is happening, the change is real. I think what we are missing, perhaps, is a moral compass and making sure that as we forge along this new world of capital markets, as we play around with a different platform to enable different people to have a piece of the pie that we are not reckless when we do that. I think that's the part that is perhaps may need a little bit more work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, the challenge is kind of being uh, or staying grounded as these ecosystems grow. Uh, the challenge we had with Terra was Doquan got too arrogant. Uh, with the amount of wealth uh, the, the ecosystem was accumulating. And all he had to do was a couple of quick stress, stress tests uh, to see how was this, uh, uh, what do you call it, the vicious circle, how what kicks off that vicious circle that happened there between UST and Terra. It could have been easily modeled on an Excel spreadsheet. 
and billions could have got saved. Um, some people say he start, started staking Bitcoin just to kind of foolproof that particular scenario. But it's it's not too hard for someone with some level of financial knowledge, uh, financial services knowledge to kind of anticipate the scenario, understand the sensitivities of his model, and be able to kind of be prepared for that. What happens is when when you grow wealth at that rate, you just get too arrogant too quickly, and that's really what happened, unfortunately. Yeah, and so I want to pick up on so as far as Teo's comment that people. Um, need better ethics. They need, you know, they don't. When it comes to people, when it comes to money, they are not ethical. They are historically not ethical, which is why we have this amazing thing called regulation. Because without those regulations in in that, hi, you will go to jail if you steal the money, <laughs> unless that is hanging over the head. Half the bankers out there right now would walk away with cash, right? So, you know, that's where the regulation comes in. And then, room to your point, now, here's the funny thing, is that when I, when, look, I, I'm, I'm old, all right? I, I mean, you know, I am not just 60, but I am okay, boomer 60, and I get that, you know? So when I talk about regulation to the crypto world, um, they're like, oh, come on. Aruma, we don't need any of that. And then, you know, so Aruma, when I hear you talking about an Excel spreadsheet, I spent my entire life in quantitative finance. There are plenty of guys who could have put the Doquan's stablecoin and did put it on a spreadsheet back in October, September of last year. And they said, this is nuts. It'll never work. And, and you know, the funny thing is that some of them really weren't real mathematicians. Some of them, like one guy, he was a professor, I think, up in Canada. He was great. He was a, quant he was a professional quantitative finance guy. He's like, nah, won't work. And, you know, the, but the funny thing is, is that when regulators called out stable coins that they might collapse, the crypto community basically gave them a singular, yo, boomer, we, okay, boomer, we don't need you. You know, when people called out Do Kwan, what was interesting is that if you looked at when a couple of really big research papers on Terra were written that were very critical, they didn't get at all picked up by the crypto press. You, that's their job. Nothing. So we need regulation, and we need regulation because without it, people will not have a moral compass. Why? Because hundreds of years of people stealing money show that they don't. When it comes to cash, they just, I'm sorry, it's just a sad thing. Um, and um, crypto does need to sort of be a little bit accepting that some of the things that they're trying to do have been done before by earlier generations, and they should reach out and say, hey, 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 60-plus-year-old guy, did, did you guys ever think about this when you were doing derivatives in 1992? It's like, oh, yeah, we thought of that. <laughs>
Richard, just a quick question because you you alluded to this topic. Um, what is going to be the impact of this this on on in general on the evolution of uh, stable coins and CBDC? So whatever has transpired over the last three to four weeks, how do you see that affecting the general stable coin trend? Are we going to see uh, uh, nation states kind of in some ways highly regulating and clamping down on stable coins, at least the centralized ones? and instead pushing their cbdc's do you see that trend oh yeah you're you're on it arun it's 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 you know oh look regulators as i said have been prophesizing the collapse of a stable coin not not like they said that in the last month they've been saying that for for two or three years easily that it's a systemically dangerous part of our financial system and they're worried about contagion into the traditional markets so they've had one, and fortunately, um, to quote somebody from uh, from Gal to quote um, Galois Capital, fortunately, it happened early in Terra's lifespan. Can you imagine if it got bigger? You know, so let's be happy it happened now. So number one, regulators got just what they needed—a real collapsed coin. That means that what you're going to see is what I call reg coins now which will be regulated stable coins. Because I don't think, you know, stable coins, it doesn't make sense to call them that because there's so many things that are stable coins. They will be regulated by banks. They will have controlled capital in them. And that's, that's where we're going. And CBDC, if ever you needed a reason why there's a, there is a real benefit to a central bank backed currency you also just got you know the cbdc community guys like me who write books on it are like told you so stable coins are great i love them and i like the concept of a regulated stable coin i think they're not going to blow up but there's still a difference between issued by the government and a corporate issued coin so i think both of them got a big boost with the terror blow up Great. And just focusing a little, double clicking into the CBDC uh, topic, um, China had to, uh, not had to, but China clamped down on their crypto market to a large extent just because of their CBDC launch. At least there's, if not causation, there's a bit of correlation there. Um, do you see that happening as well in the West? No. Okay. So there's two things. So first thing is that I'm going to disagree with you. What you just said is very, very common, that the banning of Bitcoin in China happened at about the time of the original trials in Shenzhen in September of 21, of, of, of 21 okay? And, uh, and that, oh, China banned Bitcoin because it helps their central bank digital currency. And I'm going to make it dead simple for everybody out there. Ready? That doesn't hold up. And the reason it doesn't hold up is twofold. Number one is that Bitcoin had always been outlawed for retail transactions in China. You could never buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin in China, ever. And central bank digital currency does what? It 
buys cups of coffee and more than that. That's another argument. You know, it does a lot more. But the point is, taking away Bitcoin in no way impacts the acceptance of central bank digital currency in the retail payment market in China. All right. So they are completely off scale. The other killer bit of information that we need to really look to is um, looking at the um, amount of Bitcoin that was leaving China in in 2020. And it was roughly $50 billion of Bitcoin exit. China, according to chain analysis in 2020. So what you really see is, oh, my God, we're bleeding money through Bitcoin. <laughs> Let's shut it down. You know, you know, I know that they, in time, the Bitcoin ban and the CBDC, it's like, oh, they happened about the same time. But that was really just a um, just timing coincidental timing it really wasn't to support one or the other and i get that one all the time so um so um i can't imagine look love it or hate it i can see regulating crypto but i can't see banning it like china with the exception of developing nations where the crypto can potentially destabilize their currencies. That reminds me of El Salvador, doesn't it? (laughs) You walked right into that one, Richard. (laughs) Isn't isn't that a great example? You know, did you guys see there's an internet site where they actually track the losses of El Salvador's Bitcoin, it's I, like you can just, like, just type, type tracker, you know, and it was down millions. But anyway, yeah, I, I so, don't want to know. Yeah, that that was bad because I remember when they launched that last year, and I had an argument with a certain billionaire. And you know, what do I know? I'm not even millionaire, let alone billionaire. But he was all all in um, on 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 what El Salvador was going. He said, this is going to change the world. This is going to improve financial inclusion. It's going to make everything so much better. And I say, no, you you are looking at a country where half of the population are not even on the internet. You're looking at a lot more systemic challenges within the economy in itself. You need to solve those. Those are fundamental questions and challenges we need to solve before you move on to something speculative. Um, and of course I lost the argument and here we are. I, I don't, I wish I was wrong. Um, but like you said in the beginning, right, Richard, this is not something to gamble with people's livelihood. Um, and it's wrong on so many levels, but I wanna, I wanna, I wanna follow on, on one of the things you were talking about when Arun was asking you about China's approach. What about Singapore? Because they seem to be straddling a little bit more in the middle where they have a a regulatory framework, right, to keep an eye on the providers. They are also happily being cautious and denying people to launch operations. Uh, Do you think that might be perhaps a way to go? 
Yeah, I, I look, I think that's a fun, look. Singapore has done a huge public education campaign telling their citizens that cryptocurrency is potentially dangerous. And then on the other hand, so they've done an outreach and an education campaign. And then on the other hand, they said, okay, if you're a KYC AML compliant crypto exchange, you can come here. Although, in fact, it was interesting is in, in last October, last summer through about September or so, a lot of exchanges went to Singapore. And then in October, a lot of them started realized they had to exit because they were not meeting the KYC AML um, uh, uh, requirements that Singapore had, which were the same as for banks, you know, so they couldn't, they couldn't cut, cut it. So, yeah, I think Singapore is a great example, um, but it's, it's an advanced developed nation and I have no problem with advanced developed nations, uh, you know, buying crypto. If it's what you want to buy, go ahead. You know, but the proviso, my proviso still is that there is a necessity to have some form of regulation. So in the decentralized world, it's high. We are unregulated and no one can touch us. And I don't think, you know, if you're going to sell that stuff in my country to my citizens, you know, there should be some de minimis test that it goes through to make sure that it, you're just not a Ponzi scheme and robbing people. You know, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, that's that's totally true, Richard. One question I have for you is I think uh, the the Terra Luna Terra episode is, has uh, has already started having its ripple effects because there are a bunch of uh, our own investors at Bullivers who reached out to us. They've lost quite a bit of money in the whole episode because lots of their treasury was uh, was managed on uh, UST. Uh, unfortunate. Um, the the challenge here is though um, this is going to have some kind of repercussions around the DeFi market um, and and. Uh, I just don't see how that's going to recover from here. I'm not saying it won't, but I, I'm not very, I'm not, I don't see the path. It's not very clear on my head. So are we saying that there is going to be a, a, a whole suite of regulations that's going to come and, and people have to now start looking at that and then start creating their DeFi models around it? Are we, how do we enforce stress testing? How do we enforce these things? Having regulation is one thing, but how do we enforce those regulations on these DeFi solutions? Um. That's a fine question, and I'm not sure I have an adequate answer for it. First, first, each of the domiciles has to... So look, reality is if you're dealing with a truly decentralized product, you yeah. have the issue where, you know, whose regulations impact. So what you basically do is you do what you do with financial markets today, which is to say, is this suitable for the clients of my nation? So you say, okay, you're going to buy this product. We're going to centralize our crypto buys through exchanges. Exchanges have KYC, AML, and your product, and this is what happens today in the United States, is or is not suitable for the U.S. market. And that's exactly where BitMEX trial was all about. Um, Arthur Hayes is going to do two years of probation. You should have done jail. I, I mean, forgive me. 
But, you know, he was knowingly selling to U.S. securities, to U.S. investors, knew it, didn't clean up the, the KYC, didn't care, took the money, and they ran. So, you know, you're going to have to basically deal with varying regula regulatory um, perspectives, and each one of these countries is going to have to figure out what it wants to do with this stuff. But DeFi... Look, I have a real love and hate DeFi uh, uh, relationship with DeFi, and I'm going to go to um, uh, the beautiful quote that, uh, of all people, CZ, the CEO of Binance, and he said, we need to start making real products that solve the real problems of real people. And, you know, that's that's not me. That's, you know, that he's, he's one of the kingpins in the community. So DeFi has got great potential, can do wonderful things. And I think that when, ready? Now the, I'm going to make the crypto people cringe. When you add a CBDC into a DeFi to make it legit, I think it'll be a great product. <laughs> and now crypto people really hate me. <laughs>
guys to make their peace with stable coins that are regulated. I want the CBDC guys like me to make their peace with the crypto guys. And I want a little more love from the crypto community, who, because as a, as a proponent of central bank digital currency, they murder me. They come after me as though I am the, the, the spawn of Satan. You know, I get it. You don't like fiat currency, and this is digital fiat. I, I really, I get that. But please, so my, the only thing I'm left with is this. I want to I see if I can make you laugh one more time. You know, I have to ask the, the crypto maximalists. I said, how long is it going to take to get a, to do away with fiat? Does it go away tomorrow? One year, five year, 10 years? What, how long? If you only want Bitcoin, tell me how many years I've got with fiat. And, they, you know, they, they, I can usually get them out to a decade. And I say, fine, during that 10 years, can we please have efficient digital fiat currency? You know, with central bank digital currency, or do I still have to keep on paying credit card charges? 2.2% of US GDP is paid out in charges for credit cards. It's, it's insane. So please show some, please the different communities show each other love. That's all. That's all I ask. I like that. That's a perfect way to end it. We need, we all need a little bit more love and understanding and caring and compassion and empathy, whatever it is that you want to call it. The world is messy enough already. So thank you so much for joining us today again, Richard, for another episode of One Vision. And we will talk to you all next week.